Welcome to Development Hell. We are one of four podcasts created within the last year that chronicles the bumpy road that truly is the pass-fail industry known as entertainment. Movies, music, movies, games, television, movies, theaters, and literature all have a story to tell. I'm Spike Kittrell, and I'm joined by Richard Humphrey and Kyle Anderson, and we go to hell so you don't have to. Boom, baby. We're there, baby. baby. And and, and maybe hell exists as just one of many worlds protected by (laughs) a dark, delicious tower of black licorice. Yeah, you know, in the middle of all movies is a tower. Yeah. Yeah. Inside every man, there are two dark towers. (laughs) What is a movie but an excuse for a tower? I I mean, it's... And let me tell you, subpar tower. I, you know what? I thought it was a cool tower. It's a tower for radio. It's a tower for ants. <laughs> what is this? A tower for ants? <laughs> Guys, this show doesn't um, even have well, any sense. Uh, right? That, that's, really the, that's really the worst takedown a tower has ever had. Oh, right. God. Yeah, they really, the 9 11 imagery of just throwing the minds of a generation at a tower is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> guys, I'm Kyle Anderson. We should actually introduce each of ourselves, like, so people know our voices. Yeah. Stuff, that's thing. I'm Kyle Anderson. I'm a, a comedian. <laughs> he's got other stuff going, but he's a comedian. I'm Spike Kittrell. I'm a filmmaker. Um, and yeah, I guess I realize it's weird to list a second thing. So, Richard, what are you? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, hi guys. Uh, I'm Richard. Uh, I'm a comedian and uh, insert second thing here. Big bad booty daddy <laughs> and a big bad booty daddy, of course. <laughs> Call me the big bad booty daddy of weed. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's in the the publisher the copyright for this show. <laughs> um, what is the what didn't we didn't we name? We haven't recorded. I think that people are going to be listening to this by the time they're listening to this. So. We're ideally back in a schedule, but we've been like all over the place through 20, 2021's been a tough year for us. It's yeah. been a wild one, <clears throat> but you know, um, we got, I got married. Oh, the boys, we all had a, a wonderful, you did uh bachelor party, uh, escape where we watched uh, a film, a little film called little Italy many times. Maybe we'll oh. do a special episode on little. Italy I was going to say, somewhere. if you don't think I'm going to find a way to do little Italy, <laughs> You had no idea what you were signing up for. <laughs> Kyle said, there's this funny movie on Netflix. He had no idea. 12 hours later, I'd be hiding remote batteries at a cabin. <laughs> there, 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 there was a point where I was yelling at everybody about the fact that this movie was on still. And then two rotations later, I turned the movie on and then got yelled at by everybody. <laughs> we maybe. We maybe played the movie six to seven times in consecutively. On like the fifth one, Jacob and I actually sat down and watched it. <laughs> it was like one a.m. He was coming down on mushrooms, and I was and I was just interested. If you've never seen Little Italy, uh, it's like a movie with Ewan McGregor and uh, Emma <laughs> Roberts. Not Ewan McGregor, the other one. <laughs> 
Hayden Christensen and you and McGregor. No, not, not you. Hayden yeah. Christensen, a 47 year old playing a 20 something. <laughs> yeah, and Emma Roberts, and they're like contractually obligated by the. <laughs> Canadian government to make this film. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get like the cinematographer for Little Italy on because because <laughs> I just have to know how he captured red and green that way. <laughs> the uh, colors was, are so. It was really ah uh, Little Italy. <laughs> well, that's the thing about Little Italy. That's why they call it Little Italy. Is that it? it it never changes. Well, and there's this crazy like Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman is also in it, and she's like uh, she's kind of like Gordon Ramsay. The Dark Tower is a 2017 <laughs> American science fantasy western action film. Can I start? I'm going to interrupt. Wait, science, does it, wait, does it say science fiction or science fantasy? So I was going to interrupt this opening sentence by like, how rough is a movie when I think when you pass three genres, there's, you, you don't have a lot to offer. At that point, you're just describing a book. Science fantasy western action. I mean, here's the thing. It's only a Western insofar as he shoots a revolver. <laughs> it's a science fantasy Western looking one scene My, with action film. Hey, that, uh, that, I love when that town's like, yo, we got to listen to gunslingers. <laughs> no matter what they say. People bend over backwards for gunslingers. Yeah, you, you really can feel that this isn't like doesn't have a deeper allegory for anything else because it's just like <laughs> there's nothing in that scene. Like that scene could mean a lot of things and it just doesn't. There's like, oh, well, we got to listen to Idris Elba's character. And it's the crazy thing that here's a statistic for you. This movie is 95 minutes long. Um Serving as a sort of I can't do too much of this like Stephen King research of like figuring out the relationship with the books. It's an eight book series uh, that this film is based on. I did a little dive on the books. The books total forty two hundred and fifty pages, which was boiled down into a ninety five minute sort of pseudo sequel. Because the sort of crux of the book or the the where the book ends, sort of semi spoiler alert, is like a bit of a reset. So you can kind of adapt it while calling it a sequel. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. So um, it, it the end of the series, from what I understand, because uh, I have like friends who've read it and stuff, and just talking book circles, it's like, yeah, it's sort of that uh, he becomes young again and like has to relive his life or some shit like this. Yeah, he basically, from what I understand, he gets to the top of the tower. Roland goes through the door and ends up in like the first scene of the first book. Yo, fuck you, dog! You made me read 4,000 pages to go back and read the first fucking page again? That has been my mom for 15 years, whenever I bring Yo, up Dark fuck Tower. You, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's the thing, because the beginning of the books, from what I was, I was reading Cliff Notes, because I was like, I, I bet it's based off the first three books, so I, I like read the first oh, yeah. three things, and it's like, they take elements of the first three, kind of, but it is like... When you meet the gunslinger, he's a man on a mission, and all he knows is he has to get to the Dark Tower because the man in black is evil. That's all you know for the first whole book. Which you can do for a novel that like exists so like elementally, and like these big ideas can be expanded by like an author at like the height of his ambition, writing like epics, like his longest books make up his longest series you know there's so like all the ideas went into this for like there, 15 years 
There's a video game that like kind of did that at the end. It's uh, <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus. You fight uh, to save this woman, and by the end of it, like to save her, you become a baby, and then she has to raise you. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not the baby. <laughs> um, you get to be the baby with a gun. The baby slinger. <laughs> the baby slinger? Oh, hell yeah. That's actually, honestly, if I could play a gun, if I could play a, a game where I was just a little baby <laughs> running around on like a Halo map with like a full sized fucking. <laughs> just babies with Uzis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even real babies with Uzis. <laughs> So there are much more nerdy things to be done on the Dark Tower book series, which maybe we'll do. We're talking about doing like bonus episodes that might not be. So so wait a second. Are you are you fucking telling me hmm. that in the they four thousand pages they don't fucking kill Walter? <laughs> like, no. is, why is Walter alive for these movies if these are like a pseudo sequel? It it is. I was like okay with this movie. This is insane. Pseudo sequel sounds like an excuse, uh, like after the fact, where you're like, hey, we don't have to mean, we don't have to say it's really canon. We just call it a pseudo sequel, right? Well, and from what I understand, like the the Walter, it's, he's very much more con- like the, ma- the Walter is a later thing. Like he's meant, he sort of stands as this the man in black. The first sentence, what is the it's o- a MacGuffin? Yeah, exactly, and sort of the. The excuse to get into it. It could have like the. I think there was a while where people thought the man in black was literally nobody, and it was just an idea in his head. And so, yeah, the first sentence, and I believe the last sentence of the series is the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. So that's a real like announce your premise. Spend forty two hundred pages doing exactly that. Yeah, it sounds just- like it was uh, written by a guy who got hit by a car. Right, for sure. Some of them were. <laughs> Some of them weren't. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's the first series to be ri- half written by a guy who was hit by a car. <laughs> Which half will surprise you? <laughs> um, That's a so, terrible thing to say. I'm sorry, Stephen King. You're like a so, legend. So here's... Not a driving. One way in here is because we won't get much chance. Stephen King is a really interesting figure in like writing, um, uh, I think. And we won't get too much into him with the development of this because he's pretty famously hands off with most of his adaptations. He has something like over 400 IMDb writing credits. <laughs> that motherfucker. He like only is like hand, says he was hands on if like the movie was well received. If it wasn't, he's like I didn't have anything to do with that. Sure, I mean you know, there's, there's moments where like he still he still has issues with Kubrick Shining and some of the better ones too. He'll he'll buff against. I think he just sort of he's like I write my he, you know he's a money maker in a lot of ways. So like yeah. Um, and there's also this. Do you guys know about the Dollar Babies? The Stephen King's Dollar Babies? No. So Stephen King, I'm going to just read this. Is an, it a, the Dollar Baby is an arrangement where best-selling author Stephen King grants permission to students and aspiring filmmakers or theater producers to adapt one of his short stories for one dollar. So basically, he has a part of his website that's just sort of like his lesser short stories, like short stories he knows Blumhouse won't call him for, or you, you know, that are just kind of weirder stuff. And it's like, look, you can make a licensed Stephen King movie for your school, for your little short film, and it just costs $1. So, 
<laughs> so That's my man, cool. my yeah, man's like, cool. I made a hell don't of money. It, off don't of call it one dollar babies. That's weird, but <laughs> yeah. I'm very cool. The dollar deal, <laughs> and I, I think that kind of probably spawned from he was like, yo, people really like Secret Window, right? Well, no, sometimes <laughs> he has. There have been legitimate films made from these yeah. uh, optionable or uh, licensable shorts, uh, short stories, and they've been obviously pulled from. Like you're not going to go on and see those um, because, you know, it, it's very hard to tell. It's a really interesting other thing to dive into is the sort of Stephen King adaptation. Yeah. Um, but what is your guys' relationship with like Stephen King books, adaptations, the, the, the guy, you know, what do you got? What are your thoughts on this? Cause we might not go too much deeper into Stephen King uh, throughout this. I um, have always kind of been a big Stephen King fan. I think, uh, uh, when I was like in like third or fourth grade, I realized I could read better than a lot of people. And I was like, I should have big books around me because that's what the kids who could read good would have. And I, so I just like read Stephen King books because they were big. Then I found out that they were hella scary. And I was like, oh shit, I like these. And then so it just sort of rolled into that. Like I read It in the sixth grade. And then uh, like just uh, – um, and then when I moved to Korea in like uh, by the later part of middle school, there was like a free book exchange at the library and somebody just would every week leave a Stephen King book there and I would just like grab it. Sure. So I read like a lot of his like catalog and stuff like that. I never read the Dark Tower stuff because it didn't feel horror enough for me to want to read. Yeah, you're not too into science fantasy western action, aren't you? Yeah, it's it, it <laughs> no it, it took too long for people to pitch like dark tower to me for me to ever want to read it sure like it, it's it felt yeah. like expi- it felt like a like a like playstation nerd explaining cowboy bebop like it's just like i can't like deal with the amount of time it takes to explain dark tower to ever want to like care but mm-hmm. i was like yeah i'll read the green mile yeah well that's a bunch <laughs> yeah. of little ones they trick you yeah. into reading a big book by it's like 12 little the little babies articles. yeah articles about a guy uh, Kyle, what about you? Um, I, you know, similarly, I've always known that, like, uh, you know, um, Stephen King is a legend. Obviously, I've never read any of his uh, any Stephen King book. Um, I really love a lot of the adaptations. I think Misery, obviously, is like a masterpiece. Um, the Shining is incredible. <clears throat> uh and I think his books, I mean, obviously I haven't, I haven't read them, but I just get like, f- are, are such rich source material that they clearly inspire so many different types of filmmakers. I've always thought that that's very interesting. You know what I mean? Like it really seems mm-hmm. like there's a Stephen King, there's a Stephen King adaptation for somebody to make you know what i mean like there's something in his catalog that someone would want to adapt right catalog spans like so much and there's so many eras of just stephen king the man himself that like make it wild because there's a chunk of his most famous books he never remembers writing because he was on so many drugs you know like crazy drugs yeah he had no idea that cujo was something he wrote right he and he, he he had a moment. What did he, he said? Like he wrote Pet Cemetery, which was at the time and maybe still considered like one of his more fucked up books. That shit is fucked. Um, that he wrote it was so freaked out. This was how detached he was from these things. Was so freaked out by it that he just kind of tried to forget it. And then, like years later, found it and was like, ah, "All right, let's let's throw this one out." You know, he was he was sort of like 
And well, um, that's that's the other thing I've always heard about him too. That I've always thought about Stephen King is he. I had heard this quote, like you hear these quotes when you like learn about writing, you know what I mean? Of like how people do their writing. And <laughs> he Stephen literally King has a book has called like, on writing. Yeah, I know. I haven't read that either, but uh, I know that there's like a famous thing that like some famous quote that he, he like literally gets up at like 9am and like clocks in at writing Yeah, and then like takes like an hour break and then like, continues writing until like 6 p.m. and then like clocks out of writing and i've always thought that that's like so it's interesting because his brain can clearly work that way like i know like the there's like another famous thing from like the beatles where they're like they want us to write songs at nine in the morning like, <laughs> like so it's it's always interesting i never got into dark tower because i knew just the length of it again i wasn't interested or intrigued enough by any like concept that someone could throw at me um that would make mm-hmm. me want to like tackle like yeah i've always known his books were like crazy long and that dark tower is like oh he wanted to like fuck around and do like a lord of the rings or like a dune himself and it's and like, like and it's like half that, that. <laughs> and then he and then he kind of did that with another famous fantasy writer and that book's called the talisman <laughs> it's like actual like <laughs> i don't know about the talisman it like rips. Uh, that, that, that's something we can do like a lot later. But like the talisman is dope. Like it kind <laughs> of it like Dune kind of makes me think. In my D and D campaign, there's a uh, one of my players, Zach, has like a fake board game that his his character made uh, called Knights of Colloquialock, Legend of the Gem Swords, <laughs> and <laughs> it's always felt like Dark Tower, like promises of Garathniar would are like. <laughs> Like these, like beyond, uh, like yeah, like science fantasy, <laughs> like five genre hyphenate things that right. I was just like, well, probably I'm gonna guess that's not for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, he and that and like it's exactly like you said. Like he he has such a varied thing that there's some way in where even it's, like Kyle, you're not into like hardcore horror or this or that, but like misery or even like is stand by me is based dude, on a short stand, you know, stand by me. Films. Stand by me is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that movie so much. And, uh, I also, this is a, this is going to be a wild, uh, take. I think apt pupil. I don't know if you guys have ever seen apt pupil. Um, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I think it's a good fucking story. I think it's interesting. They they should give that guy like a T Rex fight. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's crazy that like um when it comes to like the weird fantasy world that like Stephen King like made, but it that like everything connects. Like everything that's supernatural in one book is because of the world that like the gunslinger like lives in, and then it's like uh, like uh, that the whole like that show Castle Rock that try to dive into it, but it is right. like the talisman is a like has gunslingers in it and has that lore. Like he thinks like this is his Dungeons and Dragons. Now. Well, that's the thing is that the, that the Dark Tower sort of serves like a multiverse that he created, where there's little rep. He sort of can make references to books that he wrote well, in the past. Well, not, and the, the shine is the is the shine. Right. Exactly. Wait, is that you know, the shine from The Shining? Yes. What yes. the fuck? Yeah. yeah, and that's why what he can the do the fuck? same powers as the boy. Yo, that. 
Fuck me, bro. <laughs> this is your favorite movie now. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And the and the train the train from Stand by Me is really Walter. That's why it's black and it's trying to take the kids. No, dude, so, the, the, just, so the knife carries is- guns. Carry. You never. He got into the sixties. They never heard from him again. <laughs> He's like, who, who can I save out here? <laughs> um, the poster for Apt Pupil is a very scared boy. Now let's do. The, so the guns here. Yeah. So the Dark Tower. Like I said, one more thing. Ninety-five minute movie which was adapted from 4,316 pages, 1,358,000 words. So let's see why that became 95 minutes of a movie no one liked. This movie has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that is the aggregate and the all-be-all, but... You're only trying to put 44 44 pages into every one page of the script. That's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not bad you it's think that they re- they had the chalkboard of all four thousand yeah. pages and they earth you know all around the wall and they were like all right what page is this it's, wall it's crazy that in the in the book he spends 800 pages eating a hot dog with no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no condiments the fucking undressed hot dog i was so furious that he <laughs> was handed a naked hot dog and went mm. Savages, and then <laughs> ate it. Goes, what breed? Mm-hmm. And then a little boy on a trike. Scoot I by. was, <laughs> and I was like, my man Idris really just was like, you guys are disgusting. You eat dogs. This is great dog. <laughs> there's a, no, there's a lot of hijinks in this movie. If nothing else, it's known for its comic wit. Hey, oh, I, you know what? I don't think that the scene at the hospital is the worst. <laughs> Does this end with us just being like, this is the best? <laughs> Guys, no, I think it's... that that scene at the hospital is kind of, would be like a great scene in Thor. If that well, scene was in see... Thor, everyone would be like, well, he tries to pay the, the fucking doctor with a golden shekel. And is yeah. Like, right. is like, Thank you for your services, shaman. Grab my guns. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, for your services. I mean, guy, Idris Elba. Like, how is he? I mean, he's just sort of in a place. He and McConaughey, like, don't deserve this movie. It's or this movie doesn't deserve them. Like, they they yeah. really are there for it. Well, like, the movie is good when the actors are good. And then yeah, there's not okay. a lot of scenes where the actors are yeah, the, the, the good actors are in there. I don't think the kid's bad. I think the parents are the parents are fucking the the most horribly written characters. Was of that all Jackie time. Earl Haley playing the uh, bald guy? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Look, you guys keep laughing when I say the kid is good. I think that kid is going to tour divorce. <laughs> the fucking Diary of a Wimpy Kid, uh, yeah. motherfucker. He's <laughs> playing like deranged. He can't get any sleep. He keeps thinking about all these dreams. He's dude. It's good. Now the other kid, his. Best friend one of the i had to look up if that was like the the kid of a no, producer. That, that, that's, that's hayden christensen in uh, little italy is who that kid is dude that kid sucks so <laughs> hey what's bad. up hey uh mom wanted to see if you guys wanted to come over you fucking losers <laughs> hey are you still going fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> are, hey, you, are you a little deranged you want to play smash brothers <laughs> <laughs> like 
This kid doesn't give a fuck at all. He goes to his his house and he's like, I figured it out. I cracked everything. The kid's like, it's seven in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love that. Like he got frantically run up on. He's like, have you seen my parents? And he's like, no, no, they they haven't been home since the other day. Whatever. <laughs> Yo, the where the scene where he uh like draws high there with a smiley face <laughs> on the kid's wall in the ashes of his burned mother better be in the book. Or that's so fucked to just well, put in this you movie. Have to remember, none of this is in the book. They it's had 4,200 pages and instead wrote a sequel. Now, let's go back in the Wayback Machine, 10 years before the release of this movie. I bet you're wondering how we got here. February 2007. I like that Jason Statham and Idris Elba have the same accent. We don't talk yeah, about it. 100%. <laughs> um, but fans would have been way happier about Jason Statham being cast as in the part of Roland. Um, Now, by early February 2007, a film adaptation of the Dark Tower series was in the works with Mr. J.J. Abrams attached to produce and direct. And Carlton, uh, you guys might have to help me with this. Carlton, what is it? Carlton Cuse. Uh, So this is the this is this is the lost crew. Yeah, and Damon Lindelof, and Damon Lindelof. who created Lost with uh, Abrams, option. Goddamn boys, let's fucking go! All right, so I knew this would unlock. I knew you could help us with a lot of this. Mm. Um, hey, if you uh, wanted, if you wanted a, a Dark Tower movie that somehow asked more questions and gave you less answers, there right. you go. No, <laughs> yeah, so they optioned the Dark Tower from King for a reported nineteen dollars, a number that mysteriously recurs throughout the series. Like that's the thing with king is that he's licensing so much stuff he's seemingly a good enough guy that he's just kind of goofs around like i think that he sold um what is it that movie Dreamcatcher was the first book he wrote after his accident after the car accident and he sold that the rights to that for like ten dollars so like he kind of doesn't it sounds weird but he's not in the movie business for all the money you know what i mean um, and I think he also probably trusted these guys. You know, it's February 2007. You're going to trust the Lost guys to do your big masterpiece. They say something like $19. That's like something that occurs within the series of the books. So he's yeah. probably like, oh, fuck, yeah, they're fans. They get it. Yeah, take it. That whole crew are such big nerds for so many things that I'm sure – if not J.J. Abrams, somebody in that crew is like – One of them runs Star Trek power. now, right? Uh, no, that was a – that's the – because there's that other side of Abrams' people, which is the Kurtzman and Orsi's, and I think yeah, Kurtzman runs Star Trek. Or is it Orsi? I think Orsi was muscled out because he's it an is asshole. Kurtzman. I think it's yeah, Kurtzman. Uh, yeah, it's Kurtzman and uh, Brian Fuller. Right, because Orsi was going to direct start the, the third Chris Pine movie, but like a lot came out of him being like a conspiracy theorist and a piece of shit, and like Kurtzman stopped working with him. Um, but that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about well, everyone works with Marion Cultillard still. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> everyone works with Marion Cotillard. Um, and it worked out great. Uh, so. Speaking to Entertainment Weekly, King said that he's an ardent supporter of Lost and trust Abrams to translate his vision into a film franchise. Uh, so he says, and I quote, they gave me $19. <laughs> yeah. 
they smacked the like 19 ones down was, on the table like there was like there no. was like nickels involved like they had like <laughs> they, gave, they gave him one gold doubloon and he said free services they had to split it between the cash they had and a debit card free services um and Lindelof was the leading candidate to write the screenplay for the first installment. Um, and pardon me, it was around this time that Marvel Comics launched their graphic novel adaptation of The Dark Tower with The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger Born. So this really might be the baby gunslinger. I'm not too sure about um, the Gunslinger Born sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like there's no way this isn't about a baby. And you get to see more of like, are you in good hands? Uh, Yo, he kept saying, where do you stand? And I'm like, you motherfuckers know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When interviewed by Andy, he was not in good hands. 2008. (laughs) Abrams admitted that the project needs time. He does not have to because of Lost, especially since he would like to see a seven film series, but later told IGN that he and Lindelof were planning on beginning work on the Dark Tower as soon as Lost finished its run. So Kyle, when did Lost end? Great question. I mean, it was what? Because you're uh, you're way into Lost right now, or are you rewatching it? Seasons. I mean, we, 2010. Uh, so they had two more years of Lost. Yeah, but here's the thing: is in 2007 they didn't want to, right? Because like it you were wasn't already done until in season three they wanted to have one more season, right? So Lost season three was what year? That was 2006, 2007. So they thought they were going to have like another year of Lost, and then uh the powers that be were like no we need three more years of lost actually wow so yeah i mean they're being interviewed about a seven film series that that actually speaks to a lot of this stuff so speaking to mtv news around the same time lindelof revealed some apprehension regarding the project noting that his reverence for stephen king is now getting in the way of what any good writer would do when they're adapting a book which is take creative license so this is uh, Kyle. You can speak to this about Damon Lindelof, where he's worried that he's such a fan that he doesn't want to invent anything. But it seems like that's like what he's almost celebrated for is like invention beyond an adaptation. Like with like especially with obviously Watchmen. That's that's literally the same thing J.J. Abrams said about why he wasn't going to do Force Awakens, right? And Star Trek, kind of. Yeah, no, because because uh, they were like, "Hey, you did Star Trek, man! Like, are you going to do the new Star Wars?" He's like, "I'm too much of a fan." Yeah, like, right. he, he did I mean, the same sort of excuse. I I'm a big and then uh, made it. I'm a big defender yeah, of the new Watchmen twice. series. I think it's an incredible reflection, much like the Watchmen was of uh, like political tensions of the 1980s with like the Cold War and Russia and nuclear annihilation and all that sort of tension nuclear. that the uh, the racial tension of today and the sort of erasure of like. Um, black history and like uh, uh, black businesses and stuff like that is like a very Hmm. uh, poignant and powerful thing to explore. And I think some of the things that people have with like the lore shit of like uh, uh, homeboy, the super smart guy being trapped in like a pocket dimension and stuff that like ties it to the Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Thank you. Uh, Like, I think that those are, are, like if you're a fan of just source material then like cool i guess but i've never been into watchmen for like the lore of how cool the superheroes are and like that's not really the point um 
it and started becoming the point when they released before Watchmen, which was like its whole run. And then now right. the now the Watchmen themselves, or at least like Night Owl and a few others, are actually in the DC comic universe. Yeah, they're yeah. just like DC characters now, which yeah. I think kind of undercuts their whole it ruins the point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like it's kind of weird, but anyway, uh, I, I think that like um, Damon Lindelof is really good at uh, adapting things because he's a fan that cherishes the things that he's adapting, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And I also think that Damon Lindelof uh, is you know, I think loss first couple seasons prove this. He's just like a master of like suspense and building serialized storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to do seven films, like you've got to have some pretty big cliffhangers between the movies to make people come back. And so I think he could really crush that. But I mean, I don't know. I think TV wasn't really made at the scale that it was, that it's made now. So maybe, now they probably would have just done it as like a Game of Thrones style show. Yeah, um, yeah but, absolutely. I mean, Lost was the Game of Thrones of 2007. Man. It was the biggest show. Lindelof's, really. uh, Lindelof's uh, like producing credits kind of smack. Well, and he's he's also sort of like a proto like Ryan Johnson in terms of like the Internet's whipping boy of like, you know, the you didn't make the thing. I decided I the the sort of initial like the television audience decides they have ownership of yeah. something that someone else has authorship of. Yeah. It, they go, how and dare so you? Besides, he's the reason they are upset. Yeah. I, I don't understand that whole concept of like, Hey, I don't like the way you wrote your art and how it turned out. So I'm going to like shit on your lawn. Right. Sort of like attitude, like the same thing with like the two dudes who made Game of Thrones, how everyone is like those motherfucking bastards. Like it's <laughs> like, I'm like, guys, they made a show that ended the way a, a fantasy novel would have ended. Right. <laughs> like it's like, get over it. And it's the same thing with like Lost. I was like, yeah, that sounds like the way Lost would end. Sure. <laughs> you know, like it's like every time it's like, and it's like Lindelof's great though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and to speak to all this, especially with Lost, and in 2009, that's about, like Kyle, like you said, that's about when they're being forced yeah. into way more Lost than they want to do. Lindelof says, the idea of taking on something that massive again after having done six seasons of Lost is intimidating and slightly frightening, to say the least. Um, and the three-year option ended at the end of 20, uh, 2009. Uh, around then, Lindelof stated, you'll be hard-pressed to find a huger fan of the Dark Tower than me, but that's probably the reason that I shouldn't be the one to adapt it. After working six years on Lost, the last thing I want to do is spend the next seven years adapting one of my favorite books of all time. I'm such a massive Stephen King fan that I'm terrified of screwing it up. I'd do anything to see those movies written by someone else. My guess is they will get made because they are so incredible, but not by me. And at that time, Abrams also said he was exiting, which really signified like it was that whole crew was gone. Um, which is crazy. It's sad. I mean, it, like you said, he's sound, he's such a vocal fan. I know he had a he spoke to something similar after Prometheus. People had issues with Prometheus, where he's just like, "Look, I really liked this, and I tried to like it in a script, and I'm sorry you didn't like it." You know, like it, it's the way he still stands behind the art that I like. You know, or it's like, mm-hmm. "I'm sorry you didn't like it, but this is what I made." It's which like, is like Ryan a Johnson thing, still you know? being on Twitter and like responding to these people. 
Yeah, um, it's or just saying, you know, still. Um, so now we move into the second chapter, which a lot of people think of as like the chapter with when Ron Howard entered, but we are going to talk about someone else who has come up on this show uh, quite a few times. Now, in April of 2010, five months after Abrams revealed he would no longer pursue the Dark Tower, Universal was set to produce... Hold on. A, a trilogy of feature films alternating with two seasons of a television series to bridge yes. gaps between the films. The involved parties included Akiva Goldsman writing the script, Ron Howard directing, and also producing with Brian Grazer and Stephen King. So I I know there's this almost resembles like how the Marvel TV shows has become a bit of a required read. Um, but like, it's crazy to think that they thought this would work in 2010, that they were like, well, we'll do a movie and then a show and then a movie and then a show and then a movie. Yeah. It, it's just proof that like a lot of the systems that they've wanted to do, it's just like, they're just waiting for it all to work. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and like Marvel has become the factory to make all of that work. They've like, people have been trying to do shared universes uh, since forever. And then right, and like, this is two years after Iron Man, and it and it's bef- it is before Avengers. Avengers is the thing that really starts this wave, but it is two years after. You know, hey, this might work. Yeah, because I mean, like, uh, Batman and like Nick Cage's Superman originally were supposed to be the original team up, and then like under Akiva Goldsman. Yeah, and then Shaq, uh, and then Shaq Steel was supposed to be like a sequel to that Nick Cage Superman movie. As like, who's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> That um, was a VHS. Yeah, that, that's a good steal tape. Steal the damn yeah. show. Yeah, uh, and it's like they've they've tried this all, and I'm glad it's working now. But it's like Dark Tower had to fail so that like sort of Marvel could succeed is what it really is. Sort well, of, you know. It's just weird that they're like, well, the three hottest producing, writing, directing people, the lost people, couldn't get this off the ground. What should we do? Well, we should make it twice as ambitious and like innovative and crazy. And, and like attach a director who probably doesn't have the stamina to like an in or interest. I don't see I don't see Ron Howard as a guy who's interested in and maybe he was. But I as a guy who's interested in he being wasn't. like yeah, well yeah. <laughs> I knew we were gonna get into these. There are so many moments with him where they're like, I am so ready for this to get off the ground tomorrow. And you just hear like it didn't get off the ground. Well, I think it's also because Brian Grazer was attached to produce it all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen King were producing with Ron Howard. Yeah. I mean, like Grazer owns a whole separate TV department and a movie department. So they're like, you know what? We can do it all in house real cheap that way and do it both and be ambitious. You know, like it sounds like it was all like about that kind of shit. Grazer, I hardly know her. But I I mean, it's Mm -hmm. interesting, too, because the, the Lost team was really ambitious in multimedia early on like there was a lot of weird lost yeah. lore that only existed on like websites that you had to like sign up for yeah. and stuff you know um i'm obsessed but, with shit well, doing that i love I, it I, I and think, abrams, I, abrams did it with cloverfield that was a huge cloverfield thing but i think what works i think yeah exactly with the cloverfield stuff was was really massive with that it was crazy i think what's what what makes it work with marvel is that you have this understanding that there's a universe and then there's all these different characters that operate in it, right? Hmm. The problem with a gunslinger 
thing is like nobody knows anybody. Nobody's excited for the Walter series. You know what I mean? Unless you're a big nerd of it already. But it's like Mm -hmm. you can just show somebody Loki. And if they've seen any of the four movies with Loki in him, they're probably going to be like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. He's getting his own show. You know what I mean? Like it's the way that they've that their characters lend to all that. Um, I think they were smart to capitalize on that way because each each hero is its own brand as shitty as that is to say, but like Hawkeye is its own brand now, you yeah. know, um, which, which is cool yeah, that which... they're adapting that run of Hawkeye too. Cause that run, have you spike? I, I don't know if you, if you ever have, but you should read that Hawkeye run. I think you specifically would like fucking love the Hawkeye. It's like run. what we know the show is. Yeah. It's what they're basing okay. this season. Of show I'll check on. that out. It's kind of like a Shane Blackie vibe. It's very, very good. He's like kind of deaf okay. in it. It's it's fun, um, mm-hmm. as if he needs another debuff. But <laughs> it's, it's a really right. good series. Uh, Speaking of which, weird anecdote is that last night I went to see the last Boy Scout at like a an art house film, like a art house theater here in Boston, mm-hmm. and it was on thirty five. It was like thirty five millimeter film, and they were like, we tested it, and we found out this is like an unfinished work print of the last Boy Scout. Oh. Um, and they were like, we don't know if it means that like it doesn't have the opening studio logo music or it's what was called the, quote, unwatchable work print. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched it. And my personal opinion is that it was the unwatchable work print because it feels like you're watching a Shane Black first draft where it's like only Shane Black isms and like that paired that with like Bruce Willis like already breaching like current day Bruce Willis like tired and sleepwalking like Mm. it just felt like you were like and Tony Scott like director's cut first draft Tony Scott uh Shane Black is so exhausting (laughs) it's like it's like we don't think about it but like you know in movies where they show like all those producers smoking cigars and laughing at like a screening and like and like just yelling about bullshit you know (laughs) i watched that i paid to watch that yesterday yeah you know and it's like you watch like what makes studios angry or why did they make these early on decisions it's like because sometimes people throw together something sure doesn't work yet and they need advice it was like in the beginning of, of Jackson's King Kong where you're like, is the rest like this? Well, or even like in uh, in the documentary, they, the sweatbox thing about Emperor's New Groove where they have that – they have like that scene where it's just them all fucking shitting on what they're oh, yeah, Coming out of the screening. The screening right? Like yeah. being like, so obviously this does not work. Brutal <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> just like heartbroken but so mean. Uh, but it's like that's the advice some people like need to hear and we don't like understand that like when people put tens of millions of dollars into something they're allowed to be as honest as they want about yeah. the thing you gave them you know yeah um so in an interview with entertainment weekly following the announce the you know the uh the the goldman the Goldsman Howard announcement, King said, I always thought it would take more than a single movie, but I didn't see this solution coming, i.e. several movies and TV series. It was Ron and Akiva's idea. Once it was raised, I thought at once it was the solution. So it's just strange that like, I get that maybe there's apprehension. We just tried to develop seven movies and now, you know, like 
what about three and then the show and then ultimately we just have to make five things and um so yeah i don't know a month later the first dark tower film was scheduled to open on may 17th 2013 it did not in december 2010 howard offered the following in regards to the project's progress it's going well and it was it has been incredibly stimulating to work on i really can't stop thinking about it we've been meeting and talking and i've been reading and researching and just kind of living with it i hope it goes great i hope it goes the way we think it will it never does really but sometimes it goes better oh my god well he's such a like fucking character well, um, <laughs> now, despite this, uh, this sentence is despite Howard's enthusiasm. I feel like that sentence goes a lot, like follows him around despite Ron Howard's enthusiasm. Like he just seems like him and Spielberg just seem like, yeah, we're going to make, we're going to make this movie, you know? Well, it's, uh, you, you get to a point where you've already done everything on your bucket list. Yeah. And you're just excited about, about going in every day. Like, I think that those guys are also of that King mentality of like nine to five filmmakers, you know, who just kind of are like, I direct movies. I'm going to direct West side story this year. And then I will have made West side story. And then next year I will direct this and I will, you know, it's not that there's, they're asleep at the wheel, but there's just, they're such like employees. They, they don't have to worry about the failure as much yeah. as like somebody else. So it's just sort of like, what if I take a chance on this? Yeah. You know? And it's like, sometimes it's not even a chance. It's sort of just like, they treat it like uh, like theater at this point. Like literally where it's like, I don't know. Let me like try like this version of like my version of what this would be like, you know, like mm-hmm. West Side Story looks like the most generic thing. Like he's literally doing a Broadway play, you know, like, like it looks, it's, rad. It, it, it looks I'm great. A, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. For I'm going to be there for sure. I'm going to put two hours of, of forget anything I've read and just, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to go to the West Side. Mm. Um, it, it's so yeah, it's going to work out great. Universal had not yet greenlit the project, despite Howard's enthusiasm. <laughs> By the end of 2010 and the beginning of 2011, New York Post was reporting that Javier Bardem and Viggo Mortensen mm-hmm. were in line to play the lead character of Roland Deschain. Oh, am I messing? I, yeah, and Naomi Harris was being considered for the character of Susanna Dean, which really tells you, like, they were going to do the the books. Yeah, they were, like... I mean, Javier Bardem was like the biggest choice at the time that I remember. Like, uh, Viggo Mortensen had kind of been on the back burner because he hadn't done Hidalgo in so long. Right. But, uh, well, and there were these amazing, like, pictures of Roland. Like, you find the paintings and the book covers. And if you see the movie The Mist, uh, Thomas Jane plays like a painter. And he's yeah. painting the gunslinger at the beginning as like a little Easter egg. And it's this incredible, like, it's similar to like a Jack Reacher or something where it's like, there's just no way to really do this. He was written as a riff on Clint Eastwood because the first book came out in uh, 1998. Um, and so like, I'm sorry, 1982. Sorry, sorry. 1982. So like the sort of, we were just at the end of, God, remember how cool Clint Eastwood was. Um and it that's was the, sort of, the, the lonesome cowboy stuff, you know, and it's right. like he's of the generation where that's their marvel. And imagine in 1982, you're reading this story about like this lonesome cowboy who's like Clint Eastwood, but it's this big epic fantasy written by Stephen King. That's going to be the most insane, cool shit you've ever fucking read. 
Um, so I included this part because it just feels so funny to me. It says, speaking on the Howard Stern show in January 2011 and qualifying his words. This is uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard phrase, Stern. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Howard said that after the first film, which would be more action-oriented, a six-episode television miniseries would follow, focusing more on character-driven drama. Now, first of all, that also that that the plan seems interesting, but I also like to wonder what the other like ninety minutes of Ron Howard being on the Howard Stern Ooh. show is like. Just throw it. <laughs> it's Ron Howard on a Sibian. <laughs> throw it. Yeah. He's on a Sibian. They're throwing salami on his bare chest. <laughs> Norman and Artie Lang are just trying to like get him to say some really fucked up shit. He's like Baba Booey, Baba Booey. <laughs> just him being on a Simeon is so funny. <laughs> it's Rob Howard trying to catch hot dogs in his mouth <laughs> on a Simeon. <laughs> it's even Brian Grazer racing Simeons down a hallway. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit um i sibian with my heart so now <laughs> the, I'm, man, the, the man who <laughs> the man who sibians with his ass has forgotten the face of his father <laughs> this is where i want to get into like because it speaks to this like big world building planning stuff right this is the dumbest thing i've ever said <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and also yeah. like a reference like out of context no one will even know what that's a reference to it just sounds like you're insane and have a lot of like Sibian rules <laughs> if you don't have rules for your Sibian you live in a wild world man <laughs> um, so here I want to talk about someone who I think came up in the Godzilla episodes who, uh, who is Akiva Goldsman is Kyle is that right that Akiva Goldsman was involved in those in he's a guy or... like uh, he's like a spec script guy yeah like, I feel I like he's come up he, I know he has come up in one way so we'll get to that so a quick rundown of Akiva Goldsman before we run down this quick little list um, Akiva Goldsman is a screenwriter first known for his work writing the Joel Schumacher Batman films and then a, a beautiful um, mind, right? Yeah. Yes. And, Since and, then, he's written films like I, Robot, Cinderella Man, I Am Legend, and even won an Academy Award for A Beautiful Mind. He's sort of Ron Howard's like go-to like money guy, you know. Um, he's the uh, he's like Ben uh, how like Ben Affleck has Chris Terrio. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. um or uh, like Spielberg has um. Tony Kushner, you know, sort of like when they're signed up together, it's a real like package. You can sell it to the studio that way, things like that. And he was a real like kind of developing guy, like script doctor guy in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, I mean, and Transformers like is also like. Right. So thing. that's what yeah, we're getting that's... to is that his, his last writing credits are all from 2017. And it was The Dark Tower. Um, he had a story credit on Transformers The Last Night, which was the last Bay, Michael Bay movie. Oh, it's because um, he's put in charge of a writer's room. To well, that's what we're getting to. We're okay. getting to this interesting thing with Akiva Goldsman. He also wrote in 2017 Rings. Remember where they were like, there's not enough rings, so we got to have a bunch of rings. Um, yeah, I mean, and then got to have at least uh, 10. Got to have at least 10. Because <laughs> then you can have the ring, rings of verse. Well, then you, can have, um, then you can have a legend. About 10. Yeah. Like- <laughs> um, 
I do remember the end of that Rings trailer was actually pretty good where like the the tape is being shown on like all of the headrests on a plane. Oh god. And you're just like, fuck, none of those people are going to get the, their call until they land. Like all those phones are going to ring when they land. The, the, the little uh, the little white phone above the middle of the road just starts ringing and it's like, <laughs> "Can you pass it to the middle?" <laughs> okay, you will die in seven days. Hang up. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, they all have to swipe their card to find out they're gonna die next Thursday. There's and they're scratching off the back of a calling card. <laughs> yeah, for, they have to pay for bonus extra Delta Wi-Fi to to get their wow. creepy phone call. <laughs> Not if you log in through the app. No, yeah, no, you have to get the app. To hear that you're going to die in seven but days. But then you have to pay for the Wi-Fi in air <laughs> to download the app. It's a racket, this fucking rings thing. <laughs> um, so since then... That was a movie about a circus. has still been in headlines, announced as the mastermind to many attempted film, like, multiverse universe. For some reason, the MCU worked... And Akiva Goldsman was like the first call everyone made. Um, is, is he their Coke dealer? Right, exactly. We're like, what photos of these people does he have? Because he, let's run down these few. It, it seems excessive when you think of like, you know, so in 2015, he was hired to run a team of writers and filmmakers to create a multi uh, format like multi-film cinematic universe in the Hasbro film series. Okay, here, let me do this. <laughs> All right, so like we're gonna get Taylor Lautner. He's gonna be like just Stretch Armstrong. All right, and then um, so uh, then uh, we're, we're gonna uh, you know what we got to do? We got to do like a uh, like an old uh, like, like we got to do um, yeah. what's that? What's those little peg people? We're gonna do that too. Um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe will start in that Playmobil. Playmobil. Yes, we'll do that too. Um. Uh, uh, how about how about Tinker Toys the movie? Tinker uh, Toys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah um, um, uh, Battleship. Battleship. Uh, that didn't work, but let's do it no, six no, more times. goes, I gotta go to a different room. Okay, so Transformers. What we gotta do is work many times. It's gonna work another time. Yeah. How how about um how about we take Bumblebee and we forget everything else and we what put do we call it? Girl. Bumblebee. Oh my god! I just shit my pants. <laughs> You're gonna need to lump in another thirty dollars into the yeah, right. check because I, I like, need no pants. Hold on, I got another line. I got to go do in the Star Trek room now. Sorry. I'll be right <laughs> How about we have a cartoon on Nickelodeon? We have a cartoon on on uh, Paramount Plus. <laughs> it was reported in 2016. Hasbro is taking a cue from the rampant success of the MCU and the growing DCU. Um, with the Hasbro Cinematic Universe, the HCU. Could you imagine us talking about the HCU right now? We really need we really need to do a full episode on the HCU. Upon Googling HCU, we got Heartland Credit Union. We got uh, Holy Dope. <laughs> yeah, the Credit fucking Union. the SEO battle would have been rough. Heritage Christian University. That's <laughs> yeah, they were hard to fight beat. with a six to one. Wait, this Heritage Christian University claims to have a six to one student teacher ratio. <laughs> that's, what? That's well, what does that mean? Does that mean there's too many teachers, or there's six only, teachers like, to one student? Dude, you just have six teachers ganging up on you. 
<laughs> it's either a porn or a horror movie. Yeah. That's so um, weird. So listen to the names because we're going to go in on a couple of these writers' rooms that were announced for Akiva Goldsman. Interesting. Okay, cool. So um, here are the people. So among the Hasbro toys are G.I. Joe, Micronauts, Visionaries, Mask, and Rom. I have no idea we've what Mask played, or Rom we've are. We've all played with a, a G.I. Joe once, and that's it. Yeah, and so they're like, "Well, we need Channing Tatum a couple fucking times." <laughs> no, do you you know about the Channing Tatum thing in the second one? Is he wasn't going to be in it at all? Yeah, but what was the what was the deal? Because he gets killed real early. He gets killed real early, and the test audience is just like, "This movie sucks." After he dies, <laughs> fuck this movie. We hate it. And then so yeah. they're like, "All right, we bring him back." Like it was really like it said oh, in like there was like a variety thing that was like. We had to bring back like reshoots and add more Channing Tatum because the test audience hated. <laughs> like they just crazy. Uh, look up Rom the Space Knight and tell me you've ever it's, seen this fucking there was, thing in your life. There was recent news about Rom, if I'm not like mistaken, because I saw it on like a coming. This soon is .net. not an IP. This is a fucking refrigerator with feet. <laughs> Like there's nothing no one is allowed to be like I'm a big ROM fan. Fuck you. That's an AC unit, dog. That's not oh. a toy. Come on, it's bro. This is like a toy you get at a swap meet. This is right. not yeah. this is nothing. This is a toy that like the divorced dad thinks he nailed by getting for Christmas. Because Rom the Space Knight is technically like a Marvel character, and it's like uh, it recently right. uh, James Gunn just did an interview about why they're never going to make a Rom the Space Knight movie. Well, any chance to talk to James Gunn about Rom the Space Knight? <laughs> Insane. Like why? Someone's looked at James Gunn and said, "I want to talk about Rom the Space Knight," and he just got happy. No. And he just spits. Yeah, he <laughs> screams. Rom looks like sex robot from Whitest Kids You Know. This is not. Yeah. This is not imagine. like we don't put him in the crew. Get the Could fuck you out of here. Being in the writers' room and being a, having Akiva Goldsman look at you and going, "You're going to take the crack at Rom." Uh, wasn't all ninety pages of Rom material? Wasn't the GI Joe movie already like a thing? Like those G right. that franchise been, is already yeah. established. Well, and so is Transformers. I mean, they just Snake Eyes is a soft reboot and has like right. nine was, other GI Joe characters in it. Yeah, it was sim- but it's like, was it going to use where- those or was it going to like new GI Joe for this continuity? Yeah, new GI Joe, GI Joe. Because what happened was they were like, it's similar to like Hellboy, where it's like, oh, we fucked up by making this a franchise right before you're supposed to make a universe instead of a franchise. And they were kind of capped with like, well, we spent franchise money on Channing Tatum, but we now can't afford him at universe money. You know, like right. universe money, you need to pay them like 700 grand right off the bat and see if they become a star or that all that shit. So everyone had to start fresh. And, and then so when they're doing that, he's probably already like, uh, at what uh, at what year is this? That they're this doing? is 2016. OK, so he's probably already like already been courted for like watch uh, not what um, the, the Kingsman. Because like he's supposed to be like yeah. American Kingsman, you know, like that was all based on him. And the reshoots for GI Joe is what fucked up that movie. 
right? Like, I think it's that, or there's reshoots for something. Listen to this fucking, like, this writer's room for the Hasbro cinematic universe <laughs> included Guard- uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novelist Michael Chabon, Guardians of the Galaxy writer Nicole Perman, uh, Perlman, uh, Under the Dome showrunner Brian K. Vaughn, Luke Cage showrunner Chio Coker, Spider-Man Homecoming duo John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, uh, Black Panther screenwriter Joe Robert Cole, and Black uh, List screenwriter Nicole Regal. So, like, he's just churning winners, though, because, like, all of them do things. Charlie Kaufman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Cormac McCarthy was in yeah, there. He yeah. came in for a quick weekend. Yeah, we had Stephen King pop in. We didn't tell him it was for this. But we just had him throw some ideas around. Yeah, the <laughs> movies will be were, were meant to be produced by Hasbro's All Spark Pictures. Uh, and there was no word yet on whether or not the previous G.I. Joe movies would be folded into the universe. Um, separately, were. Akiva Goldsman, and this is where we talked about it, was in charge, along with Fast and Furious writer Chris Morgan, of The Dark Universe, which we have discussed on this podcast. He mm-hmm. was sort of like, again, they bring him in, they're like, we ha-. it was the like swarm after avengers where it was just like look we have all these properties how can they all meet each other you know which was like the only idea these people had for all of these things what if what if rom meant met the micronauts but yeah oh my god could you imagine (laughs) because the micronauts would be like whoa it's rom and rom would be like hello micronauts it would be the fans would lose it <laughs> well the micronauts would probably you'd probably have to we'd have to find a way to make them louder probably you know what it, it's probably <laughs> the hasbro cinematic universe is one room and on the wall it just says toy story but they kill and fuck <laughs> and then that's all it yeah the micronauts have a megazord that's pretty cool never mind i'm in <laughs> Wait, yeah, uh, just announcing Kyle is joining the writers' room for the HCU. Yeah, you say I'm down? I think we could get some Micronauts. See, the thing is, there's like 30 Micronauts. I don't think we need ROM guys. I'm like trying to talk them out of ROM on my first day. Like, guys, we really don't need out of there. Guys, we don't need ROM. Um. So. Yeah, the dark universe obviously. This motherfucker's trying to fuck me. (laughs) I have a contract, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Rom just like, like very staggeringly, like stomps his hands on the desk. (laughs) Um, he was also put in charge of a YA book series called Ologies. Never heard of this. Um, but it seems like, again, another thing, what's interesting is that he keeps being hired. For this. Obviously we know none of these happened, but he keeps being the guy who's like, this dude's in charge of this, um, you know, universe. The last one is something I'd never heard of, but sounds right up like your guys's alley too, which is. Here's the headline. Netflix signs deal for Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld's extreme universe. Now, Rob Liefeld's known as sort of a controversial, like controversially skilled yeah, well, he, artist. Um, he always Deadpool. 
he always makes Rob Liefeld has that crazy muscles issue where everyone looks insane. He got those. Yeah, where people think he can't draw feet. He can't. <laughs> I agree, but that's okay. I don't mind his art style. I think his art style is pretty cool, honestly. But yeah. a lot, he's got a lot of haters. But yeah. he also has a lot of very bad opinions. But like, and, um, he the Netflix deal included his characters: Brigade, Bloodstrike, Cybrid, Rejects, Blood Wolf, and Kaboom. So we're finally I- getting Cybrid. Yo, yeah, like, only getting cybered. <laughs> Richard, Crazy. Your, your grandfather could rest well knowing <laughs> you finally see cybered on Netflix. My, wow. my, if you Google cybered, it's very scientific. Resp- like, cytoplasmic hybrid comes up. You know, <laughs> my grandmother on her deathbed said, like, I can't wait for the Rejects TV show. Guys, Cybrid looks like <laughs> a fake '90s comic. Yeah, Cybrid has uh, looks like Wolverine, but with long hair and two metal like cable arms that come to like Freddy Krueger claw finger. It's he scary. looks like a fake comic book character. The main character of a Disney Channel original movie really likes. Yeah, it's like Cybrid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, um, okay. I see it. I see it now. Whoa, 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 whoa! You really can't Google these things. No, yeah. Well, that's where sort of Rob Liefeld lives. Is like you have to be really specific. Wait, hold because... on. I need. How do you spell that again? Because I put an R E hyphen J E X, and that's a high gloss finish for like cars. G E X. R E G E X. R E dash G E X. Yeah, yeah, Rejects um, does look wild. Not okay either. Yeah, for sure. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Where'd she come from? The side of a van. Now listen, guys. So, so that's when that's the attitude. You, you think about this is like that. Obviously, these are jobs that 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 uh, Goldsman wants. So he always is sort of brought into like, you know, yeah, this. But what if it was like. A big picture you know what if it was bigger and more expansive and like universe and this he was sort of originally there and even brought into like do pseudo sequels to the burton batmans with schumacher like he's always been from the get-go of his hollywood career he's been involved in like you know expanding something that could be so much simpler why, why those feet look like gary Busey's teeth <laughs> It's it's an interesting thing of like the, these races to the adaptations and the fact that literally none of none of the other ones worked. It's right, none of them. It's that none buy it, of them worked. Buy it so nobody else can make gold off it, and we'll have it just in case. Which is almost more a reaction to like Twilight too, uh, because Twilight clearly someone got fired for letting that leave a studio, and ever and that's when we had that really fast blitz of like. YA movies. Yeah, it just like it's it was an insane time to like kind of be a young movie goer, you know, like where it's like the kickstart of like Iron Man was coming out, plus yeah. like you had like the Twilights and like you had just like yeah, every franchise Potter. Yeah, the end of yeah. Harry Potter. And that's what it was, was everyone was like, Harry Potter's ending. We have to get all these people's attention. It's crazy that when Harry Potter ended, we were all like, and it's over. It we were kind of surprised there would be more. I remember when that ended, everyone was like, wow, they made eight of them, and now they're not going to make any more. 
and that's just not something you think about with things. Well, I remember when when Disney when Disney bought Star Wars, the idea that there would be sort of a constant trickle of Star Wars content forever was kind of crazy. And like unattractive, I think, even to casual yeah, fans. Yeah, because because everybody was like, "Oh, so this year we're getting a a Han." The 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 rumor was you're going to get a Han Solo movie, a Yoda movie, a Boba Fett movie, and like every year it'll just be another movie. Yeah, um, which they haven't quite done that, but uh, it's been if if Solo had worked, I think that we would see more of that. Probably, <laughs> I agree. I think if Last Jedi hadn't pissed off, like hadn't. Uh, created the reaction it did and then solo didn't have the financial issue like they they had a one-two punch and those movies were like six months away from each other you know solo was the summer after the november the december last jedi release so like in the span of six months they had a divisive movie and a bit of a relative flop and so they immediately pumped the brakes. And then they had the director drama with Josh Trank to for Boba right. Fett and they were like you know what why don't we just give the script to like uh like and then it was it was John Favreau's like I heck an idea we do something how about a baby? It's crazy that the only Star Wars movie they've made without director drama is the one movie where the director is like so vehemently demonized. Like the only smooth production was the one that that was really like the hot like the pipe bomb of the fucking franchise. It. That thing really just like stuck a fork in the whole thing and exploded this bubble of like, we can love everything Star Wars does because it's cute. Which might have been it. I mean, honestly, if The Last Jedi wasn't as like, you know, interesting in those ways, we might still be on a one year, like annual Star Wars train. You know, if they didn't hit a like divisive, they were probably going to go until there was a divisive movie. You know, they could have survived Solo being like, somewhat because solo was sort of serving the sort of television aspect that they were hoping to build but like yeah i don't know um so back to the dark tower by 2011 mark you can tell we love this movie yeah we love this movie guys we gotta we gotta we gotta keep talking about this picture uh mark veerheden um who is an american television movie uh, comic book writer known for Falling Skies. You ever, I know you guys are more TV than me. You guys watch Falling Skies? Oh, I, I know the thumbnail. The, he uh, was brought in for the television Hillary. portion project as executive producer and Akiva Goldsman's co-writer. Uh, the same month, Javier Bardem was cast in the role of Roland. However, just a month later, a report in Variety revealed that Universal may seek another studio's help as the project's budget appeared to be more than they were willing to handle. It's how many pages? This thing's almost <laughs> as long as the script we got for L.A. Noir. This is crazy. Dude. So um, uh, when I was reading uh, It, uh, like my brother was reading Dune. What were you reading? It. Uh, what was it? It. What was your brother reading? Dune. Sounds pretty good. Mm. And uh, it, it, I was reading the Dark Tower. We compared it and It was bigger. Dune was? It was bigger than Dune, like book was. What was? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, Thanks for the bit. The, the, the what? The what? The what? The what? The what? Chapter one. Uh, the it was so it was bigger than Dune. Than Dune, yeah. Like that's just like Stephen King's. 
Lucy. <laughs> Stephen King just churns out these fucking bricks. And then the, the expects and expects us to want movies out of bricks. Right. Well, no, no Stephen King movie should be 95 minutes. And that's the other thing, too, is he's never – I don't think he expects anything to be made into a movie. Like, yeah, I, I think he writes specifically not to yeah. be made into movies at this point. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's almost exhausting to be in those meetings and, like, email chains about the Under the Dome season three or whatever. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Simpsons did Under the Dome better anyways. So the Hollywood reporter wrote later <laughs> that the project is on the verge of turnaround. It worked uh, out great. No, it worked out great. I was hired to lead, not to read. Spider pig. Spider pig. Y'all gonna see Spider Pig? No way, no way home. <laughs> If you pause when when Lisa's painting, when Lisa's painting, she's uh, she's she she you can see she's actually painting the gunslinger. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Well, yeah. When when on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> um, he who has seen Bart Simpson's penis has forgotten the face of his father. <laughs> <laughs> I do not do with my gun. I do with my heart. <laughs> oh, he who does with his eyes has forgotten how to choke his son. <laughs> Why you little? Why? You... <laughs> um. So Warner Brothers and Columbia in 2011 were considering putting it in turnaround revealing that universal had paid five million dollars for the rights so i it's stepped up a little bit from 19 i don't yeah. know what the inflation rate is on that but like what an internet story of trading a paper clip for a franchise <laughs> Ted talk, like uh, Ted talk. i had 19 dollars in quarters in my pocket and I turned it into the biggest calamity you've ever fucking seen. And I turned it into nine jobs where I did nothing. I did fucking nothing. And then he just plays the pilot for Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> um, shortly after that, Universal committed to a lower budget for the project, and Goldsman began rewriting the script to reflect these changes. Um, and again, Goldsman, I mean... You know, he's a pro, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy you bring in to, like, pare down a project. Um, originally, production was slated to begin in September 2011, but in May 2011, it was being pushed back to February 2012. So lots of dates here, but it's just it has that standard. We've seen this so many times where it's just like something's not ready. Someone doesn't want to pull the plug on money. But don't worry, another year, and we're gonna dial in this Dark Tower. Thing. Guys, we can't we, we can't do Dark Tower right now. Javier is making like Vicky Cristina Barcelona. But yeah, after as not- soon as we get Javi on the jet from Barcy, baby, <laughs> in eight months, we are adapting this to perfection. And then a TV show, and then a movie. We're gonna do this part three times, and then we're gonna do TV twice, and then a mini series. What's that mean? Science, fantasy, western action. He he got a call to be the villain in Skyfall, so it's gonna <laughs> have to be a little. Yeah. Bad. September of twenty eleven. 
You know, he's he's sort of he's making beautiful eat pray love to the wonder. Ooh. You know, he's busy. Eating, praying, and loving. It takes a lot of you. Guys, he can't be the gunslinger. He has to pull in triple duty. He's got to be in Ma. (laughs) Mother, not Ma. Ma's the one. Oh, yeah. Ma's the the murder movie. Ma's the murder movie. Javier Bardem is the lady in Ma. (laughs) (laughs) That's already a meme. I would like you to come party in my basement. The movie's I called Javier. To you or your friend. You're like Javier. <laughs> I was thinking that maybe I could throw parties in my basement and you could think that I was really cool and then I turned out to be a killer. <laughs> what if I'm doing this because your parents murdered, bullied me as a kid? What if I inject dog blood into you because men are dogs? <laughs> Does that happen? I never saw it. That's, That's a fucking hardcore ass movie. <laughs> so is Mother, though, with the fucking dead baby thing. I, I know. Ma and Mother are a sick ass double feature of Javier Bardem pictures. Mother's Day double feature, the Cineplex. I haven't watched either of these, but just going based on the name alone, I figure how can it not be a great time for all these mothers and their little baby? <laughs> Mother's Watch Free. Yeah, mothers watch yeah. free and the kids watch free too. Just come down, bring bring your mothers, buy them some popcorn, and bring your baby to Mother Day. <laughs> enjoy two films about being moms. Enjoy the show. This is going to be a horrifically awful three hours. <laughs> There's I nothing love, fun about what you're about to do. I love the idea that he doesn't know and he's just like, "Hey guys, this is just. We really love these, <laughs> and we hope that these are good. We got to put this together." last minute but we just we all love our bobs so here's to you ladies dude, was the dude, here's some red was the wine dude. let's have fun dude, that was the dude who announced the last boy scout where he was like we don't know if this is a piece of shit but we've already got your money yeah that's amazing. <laughs> it was fun um so, uh, in 2011, Universal decided to cancel development of the entire project due to budgetary concerns. Despite this, Stephen King was confident Howard would see the project through, st- which tells me he has no idea how this works. Um, like the, the, Ron Howard calls him and is like, they're not spending any money on the thing. And Stephen King is like, well, I think it's going to work out. I think I you're going to do find it. find a way, Ron. Uh, Get back on that Simeon and try again. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your radio up and I'll hum real soft. That's <laughs> <laughs> a private parts <laughs> shout out. Um, so Stephen King said, sorry, Universal passed, but not really surprised. I bear them no ill will and trust Ron Howard to get rolling and his friends before the camera somewhere else. He's very committed to the project. Cue another Arrested Development. Fucking, he he was not. In August 2011, Howard stated that they were trying to get outside financing to make it and distribute it through a major studio, including the fact that Netflix might be an outlet. So back then, you know, 2011, that's far from Netflix being a viable. Netflix would have really felt like a bit of a defeat. They didn't really Netflix. have their, like, originals set up, really. Like, no, doing, I like, think it was maybe... Gone. No, 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 Hemlock Grove? What's Hemlock interesting Grove. is he was probably in talks no, with Steven them. Van Zandt or someone. He was probably in talk with them because of Arrested Development. 
Oh, sure. He's already there for that. Because that was one of their their launches with like Lily Hammer. Uh, Lily Hammer. Ang- that's Angus what it was. Uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. Those were like their House original. House of Cards was the first one where they're like, holy shit, Netflix can win Emmys. Yes. And that was the whole idea. Um, well, and then And then every year they had a movie that was like nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, like set it up. Beast Later in of October, No Nation, maybe. Yeah, Red Beast of No Nation. Oh, Red Navi. Has anyone been? Has anyone noticed yet? I haven't oh, noticed. I watched the trailer twice, though. I'm very excited. Um, I might uh, notice tonight. I uh, while I was mm-hmm. watching um, uh, Dark Tower, I texted Hannah. I said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And she says, "Watching Red Notice." And I said, "How dare mm-hmm. you?" And I was like, "I'll get back to this shitty movie." Yeah, you know. There's no way it's good, <laughs> but it's also like required viewing. Like it just, I'm sure it's two hours of what you kind of, I mean, if, yeah, if our country is putting out any communist propaganda, it's in the, it's that movie. <laughs> like that's, hey. uh, that's us. You said it. <laughs> um, the rock is our almighty you. ruler. He wants to be James Bond. Ron Howard confirmed that the adaptation is still on track in 2011, noting that HBO would now carry the television portion of the project. So they like lifted, like they took the whole, like they were glued onto movie, TV, movie, TV, movie. You, perfect um, place for that. The home box office. The home box. It's not TV. That's the th- They didn't know that HBO is not television. It's, it's yeah, HBO. It, yeah. So technically it's none of it's going to be TV. Um, Thank God they didn't use effects because they just have the movies. Uh, so throughout the f- next few years, Goldsman <laughs> delivers new drafts of the script. Russell Crowe is being talked about to play Roland. Um, and in 2012, Warner Brothers officially passed. At the same time, Media Rights Capital uh, considered taking it over. And that's when Aaron Paul stated that he had had a conversation with Howard and was possibly being considered to play Eddie Dean. Um, in 2012, Paul tweeted that the role of Eddie Deem was a huge dream of his. Uh, following that, a rumor appeared that Liam Neeson was interested in the part of Roland. Um, and now, enter the guy, you know, look. Man, he really forgot the face of his father. He was hunting that black man. <laughs> Jesus Every time Liam Music is brought went, up, I'm going to say it. When that happened, I went out into Midworld and I looked for every evil creature I could find. I said, which way to Keystone Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, fuck you in ashes on many black people's walls. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's no, so, Liam Neeson's a real chill guy. That Liam Neeson quote, man, that shit was buck no, wild. He's a, no, he's a wild motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, all right. So who? So look, Ron Howard, Akiva Goldsman, fucking J.J. Uh, Abrams, and, Dream uh, Blunt Rotation. <laughs> wow, we we really talk. We really talked about Star Wars. Hayden Christensen. Oh, yeah. Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, and, of course. And, uh, Liam Neeson, all separately, but not <laughs> <in> the same. <laughs> all the mo- mostly the most embarrassing parts of each. Well, of course, Hayden Christensen from Little Italy and Liam Neeson from that one article. <laughs> Little Italy is his I went out to hunt a man article. 
Um, now, in 2015, it was announced that Sony was fast-tracking the project, now with a completely reworked script by Goldman and Jeff Pinkner. King appeared optimistic, saying, I'm excited for The Dark Tower is finally going to appear on the screen. Howard appeared to be out as director, but would remain in a producing capacity. Uh, June of 2015, Sony was looking... And they were looking for heavy hitters, so you had to bring in Nicolaj Arcel to direct. Now, Nicolaj Arcel, I have to be honest, I have not done the biggest amount of research into the man who finally directed, who finally brought The Dark Tower to the screen. But I can tell you, um, he's not made a movie since. It's a fake name. It is a fake name. No, it's a fake person. Yeah, he's, no, he's an NPC. He's NPC a fake guy. Did the Dark Tower? <laughs> Sony algorithm, you see, uh, the Nikolai Project. It's a Toshiba laptop plugged into a car battery that directed this movie. <laughs> we fed four thousand pages into a Toshiba, snapped it to the Jetta, and fucking threw that bitch into fifth gear, and it pumped this out. And we're not mad. He's he's made movies that like kind of no one. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's makes he's he made exclusively Danish films. Took a five year break, made The Dark Tower, and hasn't worked on anything since. Has have, has anyone checked on him? Yeah, is he doing okay? Um, let's find like a recent news article from Nikolaj. Because here's here's the thing: I wouldn't even put all this on Nikolaj. I'm almost Ooh, positive. Hey. This dude got rolled over by a studio that didn't know what the fuck they wanted. I did just find three days ago an article with Dune's success. Can Stephen King's The Dark Tower finally be properly adapted? Probably no. Not. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Um, um, you look this guy up and it's so sad that it exclusively comes up these like BuzzFeed articles about movies in development hell or movies that like bombed because of studio meddling and all that um you do find that he it seems like he will be directing a six-part miniseries um starring antonio banderas called monster of florence this was announced in june of this year so i think he's okay i mean you've made it when you're making a six-part miniseries with oh with, yeah antonio banderas is like he can really like waken up someone's career absolutely um I can't think of one example, but Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah, it's um, I don't know who directed Zorro. I don't know. I think that laptop. (laughs) That's um, (laughs) that's our Alan Smithy now. It's a Toshiba laptop. If you if the DGA, if you want to get your name off a movie, you just can credit it to Toshiba laptop plugged into a car. Our <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, cell officially signed on in July 2015 <laughs> with him and Anders Thomas Jensen rewriting the script because this script probably needed a lot of work. I mean, you need to keep hammering this thing down to a tight 49 pages. On August of 5th, 2015, Sony Pictures Entertainment set the film for January 2017. And I believe this is, it did make that, so... The uh, oh, the January dead zone. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, when they announce like well in advance, yeah, this movie's not gonna work. Like before they start rolling, they're like, We're gonna dump this. Um November. It's always like my birthday. Like Jan like in the middle, like January sixteenth is like when all that shit comes out. Right. Happy birthday. Here's the hitman's bodyguard. Yes. Um, November 2015, Matthew McConaughey had been offered the role of the man in black, also known as Randall Flagg from The Stand. Another role McConaughey had been offered in an upcoming adaptation. McConaughey was estimated to have made uh, between one and one and a half million dollars. Now, I think he was like, this was the last thing he took before even being nominated for an Oscar. Because he was still like kind of, he's still kind of small. He's that like not Dallas Buyers Club, but he's got that like true detective. He liked doing adaptations of books too. Like he it seems was like a literary man, like Sahara Lincoln lawyer. I live my life between the pages. You know, he says weird shit like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. In, but in like fucking toaster commercials, like he's like sitting out in a field and he's just like, sometimes the sun's just not hot enough. And then it's a fucking pop tart. Tom is a fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Think about Matthew McConaughey. He's just like, love him or hate him, whatever he's in, he's imp- he's like a magnetic force on yeah, camera. He's electric. Yeah. Like exactly. electric on Like you have to watch what he's doing. Uh, and he's yeah. such an incredible actor. It's yeah. similar to like, um, Nicholas Cage is someone who I think has never phoned anything in. If he's bad, it's because he was wrong about something he fully tried. Sure, sure. You know, where like he clearly showed up to this shitty red box movie and was like, I have a fucking take. I have an idea and I'm not being talked out of it. And I feel like McConaughey is that too, where he's just like, I know exactly how to do this. What if Bangkok was dangerous? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a a great story. uh, Cause it's been a few weeks since I brought this up is that Steven, when Steven Soderbergh met with McConaughey for magic, Mike, I guess Soderbergh, it's this great meld of director and actor where Soderbergh was like, they were meeting about the character and he's just like, well, first thing Soderbergh goes, first thing I can think of though, is like that this guy believes in UFOs and uh, McConaughey was like, that's all I need. And like they parted ways and that was all he needed to create that character. That's how we got, you know, the rules say no touching. And I'm seeing a lot. I, of, I see a lot of lawbreakers <laughs> in, in this galaxy. Uh so <laughs> that man never mentions aliens. He never mentions aliens in the movie, but you but when you watch it, you're like, this thing is informed by one note. <laughs> Um, so in January 2016, it was announced that Idris Elba had been cast to play Roland Deschain. Now. How'd the internet feel? Internet. I Did you guys get what I sent you? Yeah. You sent me some? It's a bummer. So I'm going to share this as one piece of a major reaction to this. Uh, a headline. I'm just going to read the headline, which is just, Black Roland is absurd and we all know it. This was posted in a Dark Tower subreddit. Um, and this was just one of those cases of just like... Ooh, ooh. And, and, and Stephen King spoke to it where he was just like, look, this was never like about 
this is, you know, it's an, it should be a non-conversation, obviously. And it's absurd more that these people have to come out and defend these decisions. I think that we can all agree that Idris Elba is probably the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, maybe next to the kid. I, it's just, nobody like goes a hundred percent. Like I'm pissed. I'm pissed. The kid's white. <laughs> yeah. The kid is written as white in the book. Yeah, It's like, a, yeah, I, I start uh, like every movie at a medium and then I just get, you know, it, it loses points every time I see another white person on screen. You know, it's <laughs> no, I mean, it, that's just the thing is like it, it, it wholly does not matter if this character, like what character this Roland's races could have been a Filipino like old woman it just it just needs to be somebody who carries the gravitas of the gunslinger and Idris Elba does that and more like you have you have forgotten the pace of your pad there (laughs) (laughs) Jesus I don't know. I know what you mean, though. Like, you think of, like, like Idris Elba is just the... It's, there's a reason he's the guy still thrown around for Bond, is right. that he's just, like, absent of any other variable, he just has that presence. Nobody, like, it's a... Uh, I think we all, like... Every generation gets, like, the dude that's just the coolest no matter what, you know? Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys like, for us, yeah. Like Steve McQueen, you know? <laughs> like, they, they all like, had that type of, like, just, he's the coolest no matter. Like, he can go make a Netflix show where he's just, like, a DJ who fucks his best friend's wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, like, takes jobs like he's already a billionaire and, like, like he's has, like, a... Uh, he takes jobs that like Robert Pattinson takes where he's just like, I don't know, fuck around and do this for a little bit. I don't know. I have money. Like, but it's like, I don't know. Maybe Luther, maybe he got tons of Luther checks. Luther's about to have a movie. I know they're shooting it now. Yeah. And everyone's upset that they cast Idris Elba as Luther in the Luther movie. <laughs> Whenever I see Luther, I think of this stand-up joke I heard one time. Uh, or this Luther, black, I hardly or knew this, her. Where this black comic says, uh, I was my roommate has a loofah. The only loofah a man should have in his home is loofah Vandross. <laughs> <laughs> who, do we know who this is? Is there someone we should credit? I can't remember, but it's, if anyone knows his joke, that was so good. <laughs> um, and so filming actually happened. Obviously, so the one element of this movie itself is that like it was made into this like shortened, truncated pseudo sequel. Um, and this like thing that occurs to a writer like Akiva Goldsman, it's like a standard, like it's like a kind of chapter in old Sid field books that we need to throw out now, which is the like, well, we need like a young kid who's like an audience surrogate who can ask all the questions. And then like, you know, and we can experience it. So Jake Chambers is not necessarily serving this function in the books. He's very much, I think they like kind of scoured through and saw this and they're like, oh, great, a kid, like a punky kid we could bring in and he could they be were, like our like. The studio, the, the studio hunter was said, we need a young kid. Like, yeah, it's he like, seems like, like a, a sort of the, sentient, stu- like, uh, you know, note. they were doing like that, like the seventh son, I am number four, like all of Sorcerer's those, Apprentice. like Sorcerer's Apprentice, all of those at that time had that. You needed the young anchor. Because it need, like like with the last one to do it and sort of nail in the coffin was that like the kid who would be king with like Andy Serkis's son. I still got to I still want to see that. I hear that's good. It's charming. It's fun. I chose to fall asleep in it. The one with Jack Black that came out that was kind of like the, the house with the clock in its walls. Or- oh, House of yeah, the Clock. Roth movie. That that movie is good. 
That movie yeah. is what if Goosebumps was a good movie? Yeah, directed again by Eli fucking Roth. Yeah, and it like it needed to be. And I think more horror directors should uh, direct kids movies, but that's like a different subject. <laughs> David Sandberg, y'all, David F. Sandberg should direct every movie. Yes. Um. So, who directed Clifford? <laughs> who did direct Clifford? Let's look into that. We so don't give a shit about the fucking Dark Tower. I mean, we're almost over here. <laughs> Uh, I googled Clifford Clifford was directed by Walt Becker Oh Oh, yeah we know Walt Becker Walt Becker is a weirdo Walt Becker directed Alvin and the Chipmunks The Road Chip, Old Dogs, Wild Hogs Van Wilder and a movie called Buying the Cow Starring Jerry O'Connell and Ryan Reynolds When I was on on, uh, DHgate looking for a bong I kind of came across uh, Full Full like Like you know, adult sized Alvin and the Chipmunk, um, like mascot costumes that you right, can wear as a yeah. street busker. Uh, and they're about 200 a pop. But, you know, if if we get enough from the Patreon, I'm thinking Patreon, I'm thinking we do a whole pod. We could cover Alvin and the Chipmunks, their development into these films, and mm-hmm. then uh, get absolutely chipwrecked as we get super wasted during the during the can episode we, and wear them. Can we go on a road trip though? We will go on a road trip, uh, yeah. and it'll be great. Yeah, that'd be fun. That actually would be fun, and I'm excited to hit sound, hear what our voices would sound like on that episode. Um, <laughs> I guess not. Jesse McCartney was uh, one of the Chipmunks. Justin Long was Alvin. Yeah, Jesse McCartney was Theodore, and who played Slane? Uh, it was Justin Long, Jesse McCartney, and Matthew Gray Goobler. The Goobs. I love the, the Goobs. The Goobs. We yeah. stand the Goobs. We stand, we stand the Goobs. We stand every Goobs. Um. Now they shoot the movie and they cut it together and they put music under it and then they show it to people and if you can believe it, people didn't like it. Um, and after poor initial test screening, Sony contemplated replacing Arcel with a more, more experienced filmmaker, um, which I don't understand like what that exactly means. Like if they were planning on doing like, like kind of the Tony Gilroy rogue one thing of like a whole other person does reshoots. Um, but instead Ron Howard and Goldsman advised him on cleaning up the music and the narrative of the film. So again, like <laughs> these two dudes who are similar to Lindelof who are like huge fans come in and help this guy pare it down to like what it is t- at this point. Um, Goldsman later said that like Ron Howard really didn't have a hand in like what comes out. So it's sort of a movie with no author because it's directed by such, it was, pr- it was developed by so many high big names ultimately directed by the most anonymous well, director in the world. It's it, it's an algorithm movie. Like everything we've talked about or we've had to compare it to like 10 other things is because this is the algorithm picking something up and moving it along the factory chain line and it not working. It's so clearly yeah. to me like just a, a great example of they had to – at the end of the day, they knew that they were going to have to – in their eyes, even though it wasn't the best decision, make a bunch of calls on this, and they needed a director that they could force those calls onto and wasn't going to push back too much. And that's well, why you and- can't have legends doing this. Like they knew they mm-hmm. needed like a fall guy, so to speak. You know what I mean? And that's what yeah. like Marvel had started doing. It's like, all right, let's get a guy who did like you know cop car to do Spider-Man because he's not really going to fight us on the shit we need to make Spider-Man work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, in an interview with Vulture, King suggested that the film's critical and commercial failure was due to its compression of the source material and the decision to make the film for a PG-13 rating by toning down the violence. However, he also defended the film, claiming that screenwriter Goldsman did a terrific job in taking a central part of the book and turning it into what I thought was a pretty good movie. Yeah, it sounds like my mom yelling at the ref for kicking me off of the out of the game. Like, what the fuck? Who cares? Like, I, I like that Stephen King seems so unaffected. Like, obviously, this is a piece of shit. That is an that is an adaptation of his like magnum opus, and he's like, you know what? It was a fun time. It was a fun. It was a fun it, movie, it and they feels tried like really it's hard. almost like a D and D like one shot like off script thing where he's kind of like, yeah. oh, it's fun that they made Roland eat a hot dog. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. Cute. He's kind of just hang. Yeah, you got to see. I'm sure he's. That's probably part of it where he's like, for 20 years, I I was the only one doing this. It was nice to see 90 minutes of. Well, you know, the it was the only time he's ever been an audience member to this thing that he's been writing for. Also, years. probably how often does he reread The Dark Tower? Right. Like, yeah, he got to have a, like 90 minutes of being an audience for the. It's like similar to when you think of like George Lucas watching The Force Awakens or something, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like it has to be so surreal to be so glued into this world of your own. That's only that's the thing with authors. It's only his. And there was no other material. So it's like he had done 4,200 pages. Then he watched this and he's like, fine. I mean, I made what, $5 million and $19 off of this. So like, I'm good. No, I bet he got to take his grandkids to it, have a fun time. Like, and he was like, that's cool. Like I get to go, Hey, look, I made that. Yeah. Um, Ron Howard admitted later that he was dissatisfied with The Dark Tower, believing that the film was not faithful to the source material due to lacking the novel's horror elements, so it should have been a science, fantasy, horror, western action film. Um, and presenting the story as a, quote, boy's own adventure with Jake as the protagonist instead of Roland, he elaborated that, quote, we always felt like we were kind of holding back something, and I think at the end of the day it was that. Explaining that these deviations from the books were, quote, a sense of maybe too much listening to what you think the marketplace is calling for instead of really the essence of what Stephen King was giving us. Howard also expressed that the adaptation might have been more successful had it been made as a television series rather than a film. So like you said, Kyle, like by the time it came out, it's obvious. But it's also it's also interesting to be like the marketplace of that time was calling for it to be something that it just fucking wasn't like it's as if they were like okay well we like we like lord of the rings but what if there was like a 12 year old girl (laughs) and she was like she's like bilbo's assist like she's his protege yeah, and, and there's not really she, any like she's gonna become stuff. no 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 orcs or anything, but she's going to uh, become Sardon. Yeah, and there's like a talent show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's because like I think my big problem with the movie like the first time it came out too, and I was like, why are you they in just New York a so much? Genre like right. they just wanted this to be a YA thing, and the source material kind of isn't. And if you're gonna do that, throw the kid into the like magic wasteland and have him survive for longer instead of having him be in like a fucking city for like the I whole really thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, we talk about these Goldsman thing where you, you see the article about, oh, Kiva Goldsman running this Hab- Hasbro thing. And we all know, well, there's no fucking way anything's coming of this. 
this is just the one thing that was a reaction to it's similar to like remember when they thought we thought they were going to do men in black meets 21 jump street <laughs> yeah that was like written by the uh <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be written by the Broad City uh, girls, like uh, Alana right. and yeah. uh, and like Will Smith might have been in it, and it's all that, and like it, it's it's we read those things and we're like, there's no fucking way, that's just not happening. It's like it's and like if this it, thing you got to get had like, too much muscle behind it. It had too many names behind it. It was Stephen King. No one has ever made a Stephen King franchise. That's the other thing is that there's no other Stephen King universe franchise to be made it's amazing that there are two it movies you know what i mean like well there's also the that fa- like, like hulu has that a chance to do this and then like hulu made castle rock after that which sort of is just like a yeah. shared universe thing it's like the way it should have worked where it's like yeah what if they all just sort of casually come through <laughs> right and so it just sort of kind of accidentally came out yeah i really think that's what that's what it boils down to is this movie was accidentally made and so I have to ask, on that note, was it worth it? Almost. Hell nah. <laughs> Almost. What do we need? What does it need? I just think that the gunslinger, like him going through and like clearing the building scene was dope. And it's like, it's worth it that every like couple years I'll be able to just watch that on youtube all right even though i fucking bought this movie you bought yeah you bought this on on what on i i bought this on apple uh like just on the tv there and then i watched uh, the worst blooper reel i've ever seen yeah i was gonna say you you said that you got a blooper reel and i'm wondering what nothing good what was that what was that vibe like i feel like it was mostly montage and like kind of put, putting their finger in the slate and like yep. making funny faces yeah uh, no there's that and then there's a lot of like uh something dangling hitting idris elba in the head and going oh <laughs> <laughs> dropping props and stuff yeah, it, yeah it's just a lot of prop drop it's like and nothing's like funny <laughs> prop, it's one of those prop drop blooper it's, reels. it's the dumbest bloopers i've ever seen welcome to prop droppers there's uh <laughs> There's five optical droppers. There's five droppers <laughs> behind the scenes featurettes. Looks like Roland is our big loser. <laughs> so not a great blooper reel. Not a great blooper reel. The uh, behind the scenes featurettes. Uh, there's like five. I wasn't gonna watch them. I didn't want to. Um, I'm gonna try to get a rare Apple refund. Really? No, I'm gonna keep it there. Whatever. No, I'm you should do it, it just on principle. I mean, damn. <laughs> That's. It's a dark tower. I mean, uh, like, Kyle is Kyle. So definitely no, not worth it. No, no I, fix in this. Cause thing. here's the problem, right? Is it's definitely has some cool elements, some cool moments, but at the end of the day, it leaves you unsatisfied with the amount of that, that there is. And it does make me raise the question of, I bet there's a bunch of cool shit in these books, but it also doesn't accomplish anything like Dune did for me where it was like, I got to know what else is in these books. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like it doesn't have, um, I, I think the key issue is they should have just adapted the beginning of the story that the books tell and just did that because with this other thing, that's why in my opinion, like if you were asking, is it still worth it to adapt the book dark tower? Probably. Yeah. There's a cool story yeah. there that still hasn't been told. 
Obviously, people love it. There's obviously a cool story there, unless it goes four thousand pages and then goes back to the beginning, which is fuck you. But <laughs> right. um, like, I think if there's a cool story to still be told there, then it should get to be told by somebody. But this incarnation of it with this kid and stuff, like, just doesn't need to be made because it was ultimately made for nobody. Like everyone they thought they were making all these conceits to make this for didn't even want it. Right. And then all the conceits you made just made all the people that really wanted it not want it. So at the end of the day, I guess Stephen King didn't totally hate it. But right, but he's probably the best ideal audience for this because he just wants to see yeah. some he's the biggest dark tower nerd and has been since the eighties. Right. So I mean, I yeah. think I think at the end of the day it's uh, a couple cool ideas, a couple cool concepts. You know, being able to just shoot in a direction and your bullet hits is fucking that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. His that guns is cool a couple times. His guns are made from the steel of Excalibur. Yeah, we're gonna It's probably like one of the best that. movies on mute you could ever watch. It's very cool. Like I you know, anyway, but I I'm gonna forget the face of this movie for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, um, it's a no from me, dog. Yeah, well, let's forget the face of this movie and move on to next week. Kyle, what face of a movie are we meeting next week on Development Hell? So, uh, you know, we've been getting back in the swing of things. Like I said, I just had my eyes had my wedding. I wanted to give us a little a little week off from watching something. <laughs> so we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're not okay. covering a film. Okay. Instead, we're going to dive deep into the story of Las Pegasus Unicon, a brony convention in 2013 that was held in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Riviera Hotel and Casino. And this Isn't it thing, the Riviera? yes. Now, did you work at the Riviera? I worked at the Riviera. Now, this is all Not also in tied in. Okay, this is also tied into the Riviera's bankruptcy, and there's so much. It's such yeah. an interesting story, <laughs> and I really can't wait to dive deep into it with you guys uh, and recant some Reddit posts uh, from nine years ago. So, Holy shit. This is going to be fun. Las Pegasus. I am so on. excited. Yep. Did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we're about to get a live uh, Kyle Anderson YouTube video, and I'm so I'm so privileged. Pretty much, let's fucking uh, go. Uh, all let's right. do it. Um, thank you uh, to everybody for listening and sticking with us. By this time, you are back in the swing of things too, listening to us after a very long hiatus. Um, and this is maybe the first time we're mentioning that on the fifth episode back. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you to Tizzy Mav for our awesome theme music with our names in it. Um, you can find me on Instagram at HG Spike. And you can find me on Instagram at Kyle Anderson Comedy. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Richie Humps. And we are on Instagram at Dev Hell Pod. Is it Dev Hell Pod or Dev Hell Podcast? Just try that Dev out Hell and you'll Pod. eventually. <laughs> Dev Hell Pod. We you know, love you guys. Um, Thank you, demons. Oh, wait, what's up? I was going to say, we are, uh, I've checked, there is a other podcast called Development Hell. Obviously, you guys are listening to the right one, uh, listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, We have the highest rating out of the two. 
And if anyone's tech savvy, maybe dox the people who host the don't, other show. Don't say like, that. No. Find their social. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't do that. Oh my gosh! All right, bye, demons. <laughs> bye, bye. I love the smell of dog shit. Oh, now it's both of you. <laughs> <laughs>